This is the BASC podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Basque podcast, the British Association for Shooting and Conservation. This is the show that backs shooting and all the benefits that it brings to the community. Tom here once again for you. Uh, so welcome to this deer stalking special. On this episode, I get to spend time with Basque's head of deer management, Martin Edwards, uh, who along with his team spend their days promoting sustainable deer management across the UK, providing advice to members on habitat and species management, developing and supporting best practice amongst many other things as well. So I think it's fair to say they're kept pretty busy. So Martin invited me along to join him on a deer stalk, something I've actually only ever done a few times. Um, I'm more of a, a wildfowler, but this was just such a brilliant opportunity for me to learn all that I could about the importance of deer culling, uh, stalking techniques, the various deer stalking schemes that are available, and the move to non-lead ammunition, the venison market, and, and loads more. We covered everything. Uh, so we met on a, a lovely estate in Hampshire on what was the wettest and windiest day of the year. It was just my luck. So enjoy this. This is how I got on deer stalking with Basque's head of deer management, Martin Edwards. So Martin, thank you very much for having me out on what has to be the wettest day Hampshire has seen all year, I think. It is. It's, a, it's the first day we've had rain for quite a while and you've brought it with you. Thank you. Um, so what's the plan of action then? So we're going to go out stalking. Uh, we're looking at Roebuck and Monkjack today, potentially, yeah? That's correct, yeah. That's all we've got on here at the moment. And uh, So the Roebuck are in season and Monkjack are in season all year round. Uh, there's no fallow on here um, and they're in season as well, the fallow books are. We're going to go and test a rifle first and just check that that is uh, shooting where I want it to shoot. Just got a, a new batch of ammunition and, and just want to make sure that's um, shooting fine. And then once we've checked the rifle, then there's, there's a book I've seen out in... Um, actually, it's laid out in a big stubble field uh, in, a, in a field I don't really want him there because it's very close to a busy road uh, which is, and he's quite visible from that road, which attracts uh, the wrong sort of people. Yeah. So if he's laid out there, we might try and get him get into him. Uh, if he's not in the field, then uh, we'll go and back into a wood and see if we can find a cold book in that wood. Just tell me about the kit that we're using today. First of all, the rifle. Uh, what have you got here? Uh, so it's um, it's a Tika T3 and it's in 6.5 by 55. So for deer stalking, we've got to use a, a certain calibre rifle, so a full ball rifle from greater than 2.4 inches in calibre and um, the various other requirements for that rifle as well. And the kit that you take with you, bare minimum, you don't want rucksacks full of kit. Over the years, have you sort of managed to slim that down a bit? I have tried to slim it down and go as lightweight as possible, but I've got this gear acquisition syndrome, so basically I keep buying new stuff or getting new stuff and, <laughs> and it keeps adding to it. So every now and again, I try, I try and have a bit of a clear out. Um, but yeah, so a good pair of binoculars are essential. Uh, these days, most, most stalkers will have some sort of um, thermal imager, um, and then you need your knives and Ollie Gralican kit as well. So I've got a little bum bag, which um, I carry all that kit in as well. Okay, so with the deer out in the field, what are the tactics here? Hedge lines, stealth approach, uh, how different is that to if we were stalking in the woods? Uh, the, key, the key thing always is the wind, um, and you want you want to be downwind of, the, of your target animal. So uh, you want the wind in your face. And then on this big field, it's, it's almost like stalking on the hill in Scotland. You've got, you've got to use the contours and keep out of sight with the contours as best you can and try and get in as close as possible. And where on the animal 
are you are you aiming? Where is the ideal shot? So the ideal shot is the chest shot, the largest area with vital organs in it. So you've got heart and, and uh, lungs in there, um, and so just just behind the front shoulder, sort of halfway up the, the body of the deer, is the ideal shot placement. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we've got our kit on. Let's get into it. So uh, now we've got a target about 100, uh, 120 metres away. Martin uh, is just setting up his rifle. He's going to test fire, check his sights, check his rounds. Okay, all good? Yeah. All clear. All clear. Can't see anyone. Firing. That's all right. Have a quick look in the binoculars there and... Um, well done, straight through the middle. So, Martin, we're in this huge field, acres wide. We've what have we spotted? Three or four? Well, at least, uh, at least three, at least three deer. Um, if they're the same group that I saw the other day, there's a, one buck amongst them, which is the one I want to get. Um, so the plant, they're down in a, a bit of a gully, uh, down where some pylons run through the field. So the plan is to um, keep the wind in our face and use the contours of this field to try and get as close as we can uh, before we get a shot. It's this double field, so we should be able to get a, a good prone shot on them. It's really just getting into a position where we can get a shot um, down, because it's a bit of a concave slope, so it's going to be a difficult one getting into position to get that shot, but we'll see what we can do. So I'll just shadow you, and we'll try and keep us one, and... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, you lead the way. <laughs> yes. So we've walked about 500 metres across the field um, into the wind. And Martin has seen the, the buck on, on our left. So we've now turned and we're slowly starting to head in on a direct line to that deer. So how, f how far from here, Martin? We're about 100 metres back off it. If we can get to that same level as that bollard, that'd be a nice shot. It's just going to get a little harder because we're losing the cover. Sure. So we might be on our bellies next. <laughs> so this is it, this is proper deer stalking. I'm, I'm on my front and I'm just taking a breather here because I'm commando crawling through this stubble field. It's, uh, it's muddy, it's wet, it's stinking wet. <laughs> We've been doing this for about 10, 15 minutes, I guess, and uh, we're zeroing in slowly but surely on this uh, on this roebuck. Martin's about five metres ahead of me, and um, I'm directly behind him. And if I raise my head, I can just forget my things, my binoculars. I can just see the deer, just see the top of its head. Uh, but I'm paranoid of, of making like a sudden move and it, it all being over and it all being my fault. I mean, it's really exciting. It's exhausting, but exciting at the same time. So, um, we get, um, Martin's calling me forward now, so I'm going to go up. Go, go on up. Now he's sort of looking at us. Do you think he's, he knows something's going on? He knows, he knows there's something afoot, but he's... Not that worried, he's just looking this way, looking fairly dozy. So, we need to wait here for him to stand up, which he will do eventually, but that's a long wait, or it could be. Or we encourage him to stand up by making a noise initially. Okay, 
one, is it? Phase one. See what he does. Oi! And he's up. He's up. There's um. Go, 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 go. No? Just a little bit squeeze. Damn! Oh. <laughs> and they're off. Yeah. One, two, three four. three, four. I mean, you had a split second window. Yeah. It wasn't enough, was it? No, literally, I was just about to take the shot and the, the other one ran behind him. I thought, nope, better not. Safety but, first, yeah. Yeah, just, just duck down, we'll see where they get to. But they've gone up to that road now, so. Well, this is part of it, isn't it? <laughs> That's it. 25 yeah. minutes on your belly. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah, but we played it safe, Martin. It, the reason you didn't take that shot in that split second was in case of wounding the one behind? Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. a bullet will pass through the first animal and quite easily hit the second animal, but not with any degree of energy. So a clean kill is the utmost importance. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, they're lost. So. All right. So we're now battling back to the car through the wind and the rain here. It's uh, just to get a change of location. So Martin, how much of a problem are the deer here on this estate? So most of the damage occurs uh, in the woodlands and you know they'll browse a lot of new, new growth off, a lot of natural regeneration is halted because of deer browsing. So if you're trying to grow trees then deer are a bit of an issue and certainly the government now is putting a lot of money into woodland creation and we need to get on top of these um, deer population so the nation can grow all these trees to maturity. So the trees get planted on, majoritively speaking, private property. Is the government putting incentives in place to get the deer management control systems in place? Are they encouraging stalkers to get out there and, and how can Basque help with that? Um, there are incentives now under various woodland grant schemes so we've got some new high seats on this estate which have, have been paid for by government grants um, but I think there needs to be more uh, better incentives the venison price isn't very good at the moment it is on it's on an increase but it's been a, sort of an all-time low and basically we need to encourage more people out shooting more deer and that's where bass comes in you know we've got excellent training schemes so we can introduce people to deer stalking we can get them onto their deer stalking certificate level one and then advance them up to deer stalking certificate level two and i think our role is to get more people into into deer stalking deer management and make sure that we've got all the skills necessary to undertake this essential work and these certificate schemes are not mandatory are they but they you know as bass suggests if you want to take this seriously and learn professionally and how to keep standards up and safety up that you take these these sort of DSC1 and, and DSC2 I believe they're called. That's correct and and they're very good the very good training courses uh, the very good assessment they're backed by all the uh, main organizations involved in deer management and increasingly you'll find landowners are asking their deer managers to have these certificates because it's it's an element of proving your competence with a high-powered rifle and, and managing uh, a, deer, a deer population with all the various uh, risks involved with that. And the bass deer stalking schemes, they run across the country, even in Ireland, I believe. Yeah, we've got one in uh, Barons Court in Northern Ireland, uh, which is for seek stalking. Uh, our main one is uh, in Thetford, part of the Thetford Forest Complex. 
Uh, we've got one in Hampshire and we've got the Aaron stalking scheme on the Isle of Arran. Uh, the, the main purpose particularly of the, uh, the Hockwold, the Thetford, Hampshire and Barons Court is um, to give people that hand to get to develop from level one which is a predominantly a theoretical classroom based course although there are practical elements um, to the DSC2 which is a very practical competence test where you've actually got to go out with a, an approved witness and shoot a deer in front of them and prove that you can do everything safely, humanely and um, manage the carcass afterwards hygienically. So we're back in the in the vehicles, moving to a second location, getting out the rain for a minute. We were unlucky there, weren't we, Martin? Um, while we've got a second, just tell me, is there a sort of national culling target set by the government or even by local landowners? Or no, there isn't. Um, it's it's down to the local landowner in terms of how many deer are culled each year. And on this bit of ground, I decide that in conjunction with sort of our liaison with the, the various other users of the estate so whether it's the gamekeeper the farmer the forester and um, we used to have a, a, a coppice worker on here as well so the, the woods were actually managed um, professionally for for, hurdle, for hazel coppice um, and he was the best barometer really if he was happy um, that the deer weren't doing too much damage to the regrowth of the hazel then I was usually I was happy that I'd got things about right um, unfortunately we don't have him anymore but uh, it's very difficult to count deer even just on a, a small place like this so right. most of what I do is, is based on um, the impact they're having so if they're having some impact in in the woods then I will increase the cull if there's very little impact seen then I'll, I'll probably maintain the cull at the level it's at so sunset in about an hour, Martin, for us, by the looks of things, but it is a particularly dreary day. What are the legal limits on time in terms of how late in the day you can, you can go stalking and shoot? Uh, we well, can only shoot deer in, in the daytime, and that's, that's legally defined as one hour before sunrise to one hour after sunset, and that's local time. So you need to just check the local sunrise and sunset times for your area, and you can shoot what, up to one hour after sunset. Um, as you said, tonight it's probably going to be too dark by then anyway, and certainly you want to err on the side of caution, particularly in the evening, um, not not to shoot too late, because the last thing you want to do is, is be going looking for a wounded deer in the dark. Sure. So, very stealthily, we've arrived in a massive woodland area here. Um, what's the plan of action here in this last light? So we haven't got much chance in the woodland, particularly with the light fading. So we're going to work down this ride, and there's a um, we can get out onto the edge of the woodland, and hopefully that's a sheltered edge away from this wind and rain, and the deer will move out onto the edge at last light, and we might get to see one, if not shoot one. Okay. So the weather is pretty horrendous, Martin. So you've brought me now to, well, what are we? Thirty foot up in a tree. We're in one of your high seats, yeah. <laughs> so we're over, overlooking uh, the edge of the big wood where most of the deer sort of um, spend their days and on a nice evening they would come out onto this woodland edge and graze and um, just mooch about. On an evening like tonight I'm not so optimistic. Well we've got a second then, talk to me about the actual art of pulling the trigger here and the timing, how much of it is experience um, and, and 
someone getting into stalking, how quick can they improve? Is it about time out in the field or is it something that can be taught? No, it, it can definitely be taught and I've, I've had lots of, lots of novices shoot their first deer with me and um, rifle shooting is, is very straightforward, it's a science rather than art like shotgun shooting so as, as long as you do all the points correctly then the rifle will put a bullet where you want to put it but put a bullet so and the bullets themselves so there's this move towards non-lead um, you, you, what are you using at the moment and talk to me about potential move to copper oh, well I've moved over to copper myself anyway um, the game dealers are sort of driving it a little bit in terms of um, that they came out and said they wanted would only take copper shot animals from this year um, now they're talking of next year but it's going to happen particularly if they want to get the venison into the larger retail outlets particularly the supermarkets uh, we are going to have to move over to copper I say I've moved over to copper in my, my own rifle and um, it shoots just as well no accuracy issues for you? none whatsoever it's, right. no, I've, I've, there's a little bit of trial and error but there is with lead rounds to find the right round that suits your rifle uh, but I've now got a round that suits this rifle that I'm confident with it's very accurate and more importantly, it is humane. It, it, it kills the deer very cleanly. Are they more expensive? Uh, that's the rub, I'm afraid. <laughs> they are a little bit more expensive. And the, the issue at the moment is availability as well. But you know, once, once we get over the availability, and you know, then hopefully the price will come down and people will, will swap over to copper quite happily because I've had no issues with copper personally. I've thoroughly enjoyed my day and um you know, I would love to do this again. If I was to get myself a rifle, uh, what kind of budget would you suggest for a beginner? And is secondhand okay? You have to be careful with secondhand because you don't know. You, you you need to know the the history of that rifle. So you need to and trust, trust your gun shop and or get it from a reliable somebody you know secondhand. So this is a secondhand rifle I bought off a friend. I knew the history of it, and it's not not been an issue at all. But um, so, so you can buy second hand you just have to feel a little bit wary know what you're doing know where it's come from that makes sense yeah you've brought uh, Ted with you your working cocker that's correct yeah uh, do you find that dog, a dog I mean I wouldn't have thought naturally a dog out stalking is something you'd want just that extra body extra movement causing the deer to, to bolt but you find it useful not only company but um, you could look at the dog and he could signify he's seen something that you haven't. Um, yeah, that's that's the hope in the long run with Ted, but he needs to get some obedience drilled in him to the first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with, with my other dogs, uh, my previous dog, she would she would indicate deer, and t- you know, you got the if you're working into the wind, so you've got the wind blowing towards you, she'll pick up scent a long way before you pick them up in the thermal, and it, then you then you know, yeah, I've got some deer ahead, I need to pay attention now. So you can you can switch off a little bit when you've got the dog with you, simply because she, they'll do the work for you. And, and even sat in a seat like this, you can switch off and just keep an eye on the dog, and you know, if there's anything about to pop out that wood edge, the dog would have its nose up, and you think, oh, here we go, something's going to happen. But the main reason for having a dog is for following up a wounded animal so most most of the animals you shoot will not be wounded they're you know nice nice clean chest shot they may run a little way yeah but you'll have a good blood trail and you'll be able to find it and not an issue but every now and again you'll you'll mess up for all sorts of reasons but it happens to all of us and you will need a dog to follow that to, to find that deer 
and if you haven't got a dog of your own there's very good organizations out there UK DTR um, is one of them that will that got members that will come out and help you find a deer oh, that's but, great yeah. but uh, you do you do need a, a trained dog to do that it's, it's, it's a bit more than just a stalking dog sure. they need to be trained to, to track a wounded deer so that's the intention with Ted once we've got the obedience we might work on and get him following some some blood trails as well it's too many treats you're giving him Martin. <laughs> that's what it is something I'm interested in is post kill you've got your deer you killed it clean what happens how much work do you do on it in the wood I mean our truck is 200 yards away how do you get it back what happens at that stage well as I say pulling the trigger is the easy part it's it's then that's when the work begins before you shoot the deer you, you, you're checking its behaviour make sure it's behaving normally and you, you'll be alert to any signs of Ill, Ill health in the deer or lameness or whatever and then once you've shot the deer, you do an external inspection looking at its mouth, uh, tongue for blisters, between its cleats, uh, across, across the whole of its body. And then my preference is to do a suspended gralloc. So the gralloc is where you remove all the internal organs. I'd hang it up in the high seat and perform the gralloc from the high seat. I'm very fortunate here that there's lots of good tracks and you know, lots of lowland stalking you can get you get your vehicle in fairly close uh, but if I couldn't get the vehicle to this point I've got a, a um, deer sled and I'd just drive, a, drive the vehicle as close as I could get um, and then from the suspend, from the suspended gralloc the deer goes straight into the deer sled and then into the back of the vehicle Slow, so once it's been suspended and gralloced and then therefore you've opened the, the body up for, for any possible contamination then you've got to take as much care as possible not to not to contaminate by dropping it on the floor again or yeah. putting it in the back of the truck with all the other bits and pieces and the dog etc so I've got the deer that uh, my one half of the, the truck is is dedicated for the, the deer carcass as it were and that's where the sled goes and I keep that as clean and, and, and hygienic as possible and when you get it home for you does the meat go into your own freezer do you uh, supply it locally to a, a butcher it chops and changes so um, if we got one tonight, I've got a friend that's asked for a carcass, so I'd take it home and, and process it myself. If I haven't got room in my freezer, or I haven't got anybody else wants it, then I'll sell it to the local game dealer. And that, I'm very fortunate in that my local game dealer is at, literally on my way home, so uh, it, I drop it straight in there on the way home. From being shot, part of the critical thing is that it's got this constant cooling of the, of the carcass temperature, so um, it goes straight into a chiller, basically. And in terms of the, the wine of venison market then, um, what sort of involvement does Basque have in the promotion of, of, of venison meat? My role is, is more on the supply side to make sure that the venison getting into um, the supply chain is of the highest quality we can, we can make it. And we're, we're pushing quite hard to get a, a British quality wild venison assurance scheme on the cards. So that supermarkets in particular will buy that venison, will buy British wild venison and we'll be happy to put it on their shelves. Um, and that's the only way we're going to get it out to the general public. So back in the relative dry of the vehicle, Martin, we were unlucky tonight, weren't we, this evening? Uh, that's it. I'm afraid the weather was against us, really. Better weather, we might have stood a better chance, but uh, we we got in fairly close. Well, we got within range of that first book and the three doors with him, so um, things have been slightly different. We'd have ended up with one in the on the deck as well yeah well i've learned a lot so thank you for having me out today safety first is the uh 
the predominant thing I've taken away, which is great. Um, and listen, just a word for all our listeners to this podcast that want to maybe take up stalking, not sure whether it's for them. Get in touch with Basque uh, through the website. It's got all the details, hasn't it? And uh, I'm sure we can help them out. Definitely. If you look on the website, we're running Introduction to Deer Stalking Taster Days for anybody that just wants to find out a little bit more about deer stalking. And then we've got uh, our various deer stalking courses and deer stalking schemes. So lots of opportunities. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Let's go get dry. Indeed. So a huge thank you to Basque's Head of Deer Management there, Martin Edwards, for a great afternoon out deer stalking. We we got close, we really did, but uh, maybe better luck next time. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. The Basque Podcast is a Media Cage production. Uh, please do rate, review and share the podcast if you can. Hit subscribe. It all helps spread the word. We'll see you next time.